my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. A welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm also your Drive Time presenter every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is, it's a wonderful privilege to be able to be back with you. This is my very first day back live for 2023. You may have been, uh, been wondering, you may, uh, may have been thinking over the Christmas period. I think I've heard that message before. Well, you have. This is our very first week back, uh, live. Some of our presenters felt they really wanted to have, uh, a little bit of a holiday. Uh, now, of course, uh, this week, uh, we're, uh, we're kicking off by asking, uh, about a biblical worldview. How reasonable is a biblical worldview? And today in particular, we're addressing the question, how did we get the Bible? This one is absolutely so vitally important uh, for those who are a Bible-believing Christians. And yesterday, of course, we talked about the issue of a, uh, of a biblical worldview. What does uh, that uh, actually, actually entail? And we will touch on some of that uh, again today. Now, can you, I don't know about you, but can you believe it? The first month of 2023 is over. School, a school is already back. The holidays are largely behind us. Uh, do you know one of the things that I'm I'm really pleased about is that uh, with the with the new year, uh, we actually have the very real privilege to introduce some brand new presenters. And today, uh, one of them. Uh, is actually with us. And uh, today, of course, our, our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. Now, for the, for the past three years, uh, Brenton has, has been based in Mount Gambia, uh, but he has been involved uh, with uh, Nick Creeder on the Faith FM Bible study. Now, he's moved from, uh, moved from Mount Gambia back here to, to Adelaide, and uh, he's going to be Become involved in our drive time program now. Welcome to you, Brenton. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. It is. It is really fantastic to have you as part of our uh, of our larger team. We've actually got quite a large team uh, of people here in uh, in our drive time uh, uh, group uh, group now. Now, tell me, how did the move from uh, Mount Gambia to Adelaide? How did it actually go? It actually went fairly well. Uh, we actually moved back on December 12 last year. The removalists came and packed our um, belongings on the 9th and Monday morning they came and picked up all the boxes, put them in their uh, removalist truck and drove to Adelaide and, of course, we had to follow them. It just so happened that I had a funeral that afternoon. So I was... Um, <laughs> I couldn't uh, follow them directly. I had to go from the funeral, which was at Panola, back to Mount Gambia to pick my dear wife up. And then uh, we travelled to Adelaide, getting there late in the evening so that we were able to open the house up the next day. So all, all the boxes are open now? Uh, basically, all the boxes are open, yes. Yes, pretty much. Um, as is normal, Gary, when you shift, uh, I think some of the... 
things that have been put in certain places, not just furniture, but uh, particularly things that go in cupboards over the next, uh, shall we say, 12 months are going to find themselves in different places from time to time. But basically you could say, yes, oh. we're, we're unpacked and we're living uh, in our house again. We rented our house out over the three-year period that yeah, yeah, down in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I find in, in my moves is it's always uh, – the first room I like to have unpacked is actually the kitchen because I find once the, once the kitchen is unpacked mm-hmm. uh, and you can start to live life again and you can actually cook a meal without uh, uh, undue undue stress, uh, I find that uh, uh, everything else is negotiable, but I find the kitchen is a really vital one to unpack. It is a pretty vital one. Uh, one of the interesting things I may say is this. <laughs> Uh, when we came back to Adelaide again and we started unpacking the boxes, as you know from having shifted yourself on multiple occasions, uh, the boxes are marked so you've got books, um, house uh, books, yeah, shed, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got cutlery, crockery, um, bed, linen, that sort of thing, all clearly marked on the top of the box. Uh, I noticed when we got back that once my wife started unpacking the kitchen stuff, it went straight where it was three years before <laughs> when wow. we shifted down to Mount Gambia. Wow. I think the bulk of it has found its way back to almost precisely in the same place it was before we shifted oh, that's, in uh, January 2020. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Tell me something. Did you enjoy your time ministering in Mount Gambia? Because uh, I believe you were down there for about three years. I was, and uh, I would say, yes, I enjoyed it very, very much. It was certainly, how can I put it? If I was to give you some statistics, I probably travelled 140,000 kilometres in those three years. Wow. Last year, for instance, I did 47,000 kilometres. I would say having four churches to look after was a challenge because – one of um, my church uh, family, uh, he and his wife live over the border in Nelson, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, I had people in Apsley and Eden Hope who were attending our Narracourt group. Yeah. And I had a church member who lived about 25 k's the other side of uh, border town. For those who – This is it, huge distances we're talking, isn't oh, it? Oh, um, Mount Gambier to border towns, for all practical purposes, 200 kilometres. Yes. Uh, Kingston southeast, 160. Yeah. And so, yes, a normal day for me is if I was travelling to border town and Kingston to visit people, you might get in two or three visits during the day because the rest of the time would be travelling. Yeah, yeah. And look, we want to do a great big shout out uh, to our good For friends sure. down at Mount Gambia because mm. uh, we know that uh, we do have people listening in Mount Gambia. It's a lovely area. In fact, it's one of the, the nicest areas here Absolutely. in here in South Australia. Mm. Uh, it is an area that, uh, to me, is totally underrated. And uh, so a big shout out. It's wonderful to have our friends in Mount Gambia uh, joining us uh, joining us today. Now, Brenton, look, what I'd like to do is just come to, uh, uh, to our work. World Watch uh, segment because sure. I'm, I'm conscious that this is something that uh, uh, I know a lot of our people really appreciate because what we try to do is to relate uh, events in our current world uh, to what the scriptures do actually mm-hmm. talk about and I yep. think there is so much happening at the present time that uh, uh, this section becoming more and more relevant. Now look, uh, last week um, I actually uh, uh, noticed in the in the secular news media uh, the bulletin of the um, atomic scientists and uh, they actually presented a, a 
press release and uh, it was entitled Doomsday Clock uh, set at 90 seconds to, to midnight. Now, of course, the Doomsday Clock is something that started uh, back just after the, the Second World War. Where, 1947. Uh, 1947. Mm. And uh, we had this particular uh, group, the the uh, uh, atom- world atomic scientists, uh, were fearful of the way our world was heading. Uh, initially, I think it was set at, uh, I think it was seven minutes too, and then it, it closed into three minutes. And then uh, after the Cold War, it came back to 12 or 15 minutes to, uh, to 12. Uh, but, of course, ever since then, it's been, downhill now uh, this is uh, uh, this is the current report that I did actually uh, download and this is just a, a few excerpts from uh, from sure. that report mm-hmm. um, Washington uh, DC January 24 2023 the doomsday clock was set at 90 seconds to midnight Rachel Bronson PhD scientist and CEO of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists said we are living in a time of unprecedented danger and the doomsday clock clock reflects that reality 90 seconds to midnight is the closest the clock has ever been set to midnight and it's a decision our experts do not take lightly the doomsday clock's time is set by the bulletin of the atomic scientists science and security board with the support of the bulletins a board of sponsors which includes 10 nobel laureates uh, and uh, previously the doomsday clock had been set at 100 seconds to midnight Mm. since 2020. Mary Robinson, chair of the Elders and former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, said the doomsday clock is sounding an alarm for the whole of humanity. We are on the brink of a precipice, but our leaders are not acting at sufficient speed or scale to secure a peaceful and livable planet. Now we're going to move on from there, but Breton, just at that point, I'd just like to just sort of throw you a question. Look, we, they're saying our leaders are not acting fast enough uh, to secure a peaceful and livable planet. Do you think a secure and livable planet is even a possibility? What's your thinking? It's hard to say. Uh, based on uh, last year, you might remember on one of our programs, we talked about climate change. Our yeah. topic today is not climate change. I accept that. But it's interesting to note the people who went to Sharm El Sheikh last year and how uh, many of them have vested interests, shall we say, in uh, what took place at that conference. I believe personally that the Bible indicates that the situation is going to get worse, not better. Worse, not better. Worse, not better. Uh, but Jesus did make an interesting comment. He said, when you see things, things, things happen, they're the beginning of sorrows, not the end of sorrows. In other words, but wait, there's more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I think that's probably an appropriate comment at this stage. Look, I think it's fair to say that world leaders obviously would like a peaceful planet. But when you look at the situation that we have in the Ukraine at the moment, you've got two parties, one of whom's trying to not only subjugate but actually erase Ukraine from the planet as far mm. as name mm. goes, mm. nationality, functionality and all the rest of it goes. And the other one, of course, is pushing back. Neither party, it seems to me, are willing to compromise in any way. Uh, so therefore you ask the question... What is it going to take 
to act as a uh, circuit breaker in this without it escalating further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate what you're actually saying there. Uh, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that, you know, uh, Scripture talks about, uh, you know, the uh, this thing, this mysterious thing called sin. Yes. And, of course, as a result of sin, we get the, uh, the, the, the results of what Paul calls the flesh, you know, and he talks about, mm. you know, the, uh, the work, what the works of the flesh are, and uh, you get a lot of the... Um, uh, a lot of the problems that we are uh, we are experiencing in our world today, Paul actually puts down to being a fruit or a result of this mysterious thing called sin. And uh, to me, you know, as Bible believe, as a Bible believer, I look at it and say, "Hey, until you can actually resolve the problem of sin." You can't actually resolve the issues that are so prevalent in our world today. That's uh, you true. Know, yeah. To me, I and that I think is exactly where our our world leaders are fighting such an incredible uphill battle. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Paul says in Second Timothy three. I'd like to read it. Please do. But know this: that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Notice the number of uns. Yeah. <laughs> Slanderers, yeah. without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, mm. traitors, mm. headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but knowing its power, and from such people turn away. Now, this was written about A.D. 62, 63. Something there, yep, yep. Is anything uh, really that we have read in these couple of verses different in 2023? Exactly. In other words, what we're actually talking about here is a problem with human nature. Yes. The problem is with human nature, and as a result of human nature, you're getting the issues that are impacting our world. Now, unless you can actually resolve the problem with human nature, you can't actually resolve the problems in the world. And that, to me, as I look at it, I say, hey, you know, our world leaders, are they fighting an uphill battle? Yes, they are. Yes, uh, what's, they are. The, what's the solution? I suggest the solution is the solution that's actually given in the Word of God. Mm. Now, look, Brent, let me just keep reading this bulletin. And can I recommend this bulletin? If uh, if you, you go may. online, yeah. uh, you can actually uh, pick up your copy of the, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. Uh, this is a press release. It comes from their, their website. And it is, uh, it is a remarkable bulletin because it highlights where they see the most pressing issues in our world today. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, this is another comment. Uh, they're talking about the issues. Um, this must change in 2023 if we are to avert total catastrophe. We are facing multiple existential crises. Leaders need a crisis mindset. Ban Ki-moon, Deputy Chair of the Elders and former Secretary General of the United Nations said three years ago I helped unveil the doomsday clock when its hands were last moved. Today, they're even closer to midnight, showing that how much more perilous our world has become in the wake of COVID-19, extreme weather events and Russia's outrageous war on the Ukraine. Leaders 
did not heed the doomsday clock's warning in 2020, uh, we all continue to pay the price in 2023. It's vital for all our sakes uh, that we just have to act. Uh, you know, Brenton, as I, as I read that, I sort of look at it and I say, hey, if in fact I was a, it almost sounds like a, the good old time evangelist uh, preaching. Um, do you know, I mean, do you think this is, these issues are becoming more and more relevant to biblical Christians? Yes, I do. I do think they're becoming more and more relevant to Christians. I'm mindful of a text that we find in Romans 12 2, where we're told to be renewed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. Now, the problem is today we have courses for everything. Uh, you can go to a course, as you know, here in Adelaide on anger management. Mm. You can go to a course on changing behaviour. Mm. But is it permanent? Yeah. <clears throat> I believe the only permanency is when the Holy Spirit changes a person's mindset. That mindset then changes towards their relationship to God, but it also changes their mindset in their relationship to others. I really like what you've actually said there, Brenton, because what you're doing is pushing us back to root cause. Mm. And once you go back to root cause, you've got to say, hey, yes, there are all these challenges in this world. Can they be resolved uh, in some political manner? Well, Scripture, I think, is very clear. Our political solutions will not resolve the issues that we are struggling with in our world no. right now. In fact, that is, you know, our political leaders are the ones who are supposed to resolve this, but in fact, they can't resolve this. Uh, the only resolution is lies in the transformation of the human mind and you know to me Brenton that is what uh, scripture is that is why scripture is so powerful uh, because scripture is able to present us with a thing called the gospel call yes. us good news if you like mm-hmm. uh, and that good news is able to change the human mind yes I love uh, what uh, what Paul says. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, when I read that, I turn around and I say, hey, there is a solution. Yes. But the solution is not in a political uh, foundation. No. Uh, guys, look, let's come to some uh, uh, some music. It's, uh, uh, it's really wonderful to be able to be back with you. Uh, this is uh, Michael W. Smith, and uh, the song is, uh, is Ancient Words. Uh, I believe there's a powerful message here. In these ancient words, uh, there is, in fact, incredible hope. Please enjoy.
And that is Michael W. Smith, and the uh, uh, and the song is Ancient Words. Love uh, Michael's uh, rendition of uh, of that particular song. I believe the words are actually so powerful and so relevant uh, to the day and the age in which we are working. Now, folks, we do have a a giveaway for you today. Now, this is a real beauty. Uh, the book's actually entitled How to Study uh, Your Your Bible. Now, look, we're talking about the Bible all this week. Uh, how can you study the Bible and really get something out of it? It's one thing to believe the Bible and to accept its messages from God. All that is fine and good, but it's quite another thing to know how to read it, study it, and discover the divine message within it. Uh, what good is it uh, even to own a Bible if one doesn't know how to interpret or understand the message God has it uh, has in it for you? Do you know one of the things I'm I'm just so surprised about is the number of people who do actually own a Bible but have never taken actually the time to actually read it and uh, my friends this year I would encourage you uh, why not set yourself an objective saying hey look I'm going to spend a little bit of time with the word of God uh, every uh, every single every single day uh, now look if you would like uh, this book it's uh, how to study your Bible it's it's written by Peter uh, Peter Gregory uh, and uh, it answers uh, questions like you know how do I prepare to study? How do I, you know, how, how did Paul encourage people to study the Bible? Uh, what does the, what are the mechanics, the tools for Bible study? How can I study the Bible and really get something out of it? Now, look, guys, if you would like uh, this particular book, it's not a big book; it's only a short book. Then please, uh, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our drive time text number is o four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and all you need to send in your text is our code. Now our code is SA one hundred SA one zero zero. Now that's a, a super no gap between the SA and the one hundred, just SA one hundred five uh, digits uh, in a row, and that'll go through to our robot. Uh, we call our robot uh, faithful, uh, and he does an amazing job. He'll actually come back to you and ask you for some information, uh, your address, uh, particularly, so that uh, we can uh, uh, get this book to you in the fastest uh, way possible. You won't be contacted. Uh, you're not being contacted by any uh, by any human there. Uh, you are you are simply uh, being contacted by the robot with your with your address uh, so that uh, we can get this uh, this book uh, to you and uh, I believe you'll greatly appreciate it. If you'd like that book, How to Study Your Bible by Peter Gregory, just text us. That number again is 04888 and just send us the uh, uh, the text uh, with the code SA100 and we'll be able to get uh, uh, get this uh, uh, this book uh, uh, to you in the in the fastest uh, way way possible. Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM uh, Drive Time, a big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is uh, Brenton Wilkinson and Brenton has just moved into retirement after three years ministering to the uh, Mount Gamba Mill and Millicent congregations in the southeast here of, uh, and uh, of South and, and Narragut. I mustn't forget those Narragut other Narragut and Rendlesham well. and Rendlesham. Four, four congregations. I don't know how you did that Brenton. Oh, I, really, I really don't. Very precious people. Very world. precious people. Lovely people down in that part of the, the world. Mm. Um, now look, this week 
we're asking how reasonable is a biblical world view. Now, look, uh, so many people don't understand what a biblical world view is really all about. Uh, many don't realize that a biblical and a secular, a secular world view are diametrically opposed. Uh, did you know, uh, Brent, one of the things that I, 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 I didn't realize is that a lot of people don't actually realize that the Bible has got a thing, uh, uh, an element where there's a lot of um, uh, the supernatural is spoken, you know, miracles are spoken about, the resurrection yes. of Jesus, the virgin birth, uh, that we've got predictive prophecy. We've got so many elements in Scripture that come uh, from a, a supernatural viewpoint. The worldview of the uh, of of the scriptures says that there is uh, there is life beyond what science can currently prove and to me you know i think that's actually so important you know because to me as i look at the evidence for a biblical worldview, I believe it stands out. You know, to, to me, I look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of a dead person, if you like, uh, and the resurrection in history. The evidence for uh, for that act actually having occurred is just so overwhelming once we start to look at the uh, historians of the uh, and the church fathers uh, if i if i turn to to biblical prophecy i see fulfilled prophecy coming through time and time again and you know to even you know breton for me that is evidence that the biblical worldview that encapsulates so much of the supernatural actually has a significant weight of evidence uh, on on its side uh, but look, uh, this week uh, we particularly want to chat about, well, we're talking about the biblical worldview, but today we want to talk about how did we get the Bible. Now, Brenton, I just really like, you know, liked, I suppose, to tease you a little bit here. <laughs> you know, how how did we actually get the Bible? I mean, is there, you know, is there a difference between, you know, human and Develop literature that you might buy down at, you know, your local dimmicks and the Bible. Uh, is there a difference? Yes, there is. Uh, let me read Second Timothy 3.16 because then I can comment more on what you've just asked. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is not a question. That's the statement. All scripture, and this is this is in Paul's Paul letters to, to Tim Timothy, Timothy okay. in Second Timothy, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me ask you a question: If I go to Dimmix and buy a book. Let's say a novel. There are many novelists around. There's horror novelists like Stephen King. Uh, there's other novelists these days. And, uh, Gary, when you get on public transport, you'll often find not just women but men too sitting there reading these novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, these novels, uh, they draw you in. Uh, yeah. I used to read a lot of novels when I was a young uh, person or younger person. They draw you in, but... Do they actually change you? What's being said here is that the scriptures, as they are given to us, the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, if you read these, if all scripture is given by inspiration, as Paul states, 
the transformation of your mind that we talked about earlier on will take place because by reading the scriptures, you actually, your worldview changes, but also your personality changes. Okay, look, Britton, can I just pick you up on something there? Because yeah. you said something that I, that really intrigues me. Now, there's many people that see the Bible as one book. Now, you just said that the Old Testament's got 39 books mm. and the New Testament has got 27. You meant to tell me that the, the Bible actually isn't just one book. No, it's a, it's a combination of 66 books. Um, the longest one is 150 chapters and the shortest one is only one chapter. And it was written over a period of some 1400 years by 40 different people. What's interesting about the Bible, if you want uh, information, is that the Bible was written by anybody from a shepherd to Moses, who is revered not only, shall we say, by Jews, but also by, I've been to Egypt. Moses is revered in Egypt. Mm, mm, mm. Um, John, the mm, apostle who wrote mm -hmm. the book of Revelation from the Isle of Patmos. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament mm. in various epistles. You go to the Mediterranean region these days. Apostle Paul is, he's, he's right up there. I mean, St. Paul, he's, he's revered in that particular part of the world, which is where the bulk of his work was done. But maybe a comment needs to be made about, again, the difference between these, uh, what you buy at Demics and what you buy here. The church who put together the Bible and the total Bible was only um, basically voted in in about three, uh, 373 AD at the Council of Hippo. Uh, 393 AD, I'll correct myself. Um, what happened is that how did they decide what books went in and what books didn't go in the Bible? By the time that Jesus came on the scene, basically they had the whole of the Old Testament. By the time uh, Peter and Paul were current, this is where it becomes really interesting. And let me just read you a text quickly on that one because I thought this is worth reading. Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 15 to 17. Peter is talking, uh, this is uh, prior to Peter's execution. In other words, he's expecting not to live very long after this. But he makes some interesting comments. He says this in Second Peter chapter 3. He says, Yeah, now he says, Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him has written to you, um, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people rest to their own or twist to their own destruction, as they do also with the rest of the scriptures. Note here that Peter is calling the epistles of Paul, the scriptures. Mm. In other words, before the Council of Hippo, they say at least 100 years before the, that time, most Christians had determined what composition the Bible was. In other words, which books were in and which books were out. And the basis on which they were in or out was, to a large degree, did were the people who wrote the books reputable people and were they 
in harmony with what had previously been written. In other words, let me give you an example. The Gospel of Thomas. Some people who are listening to our program may have heard of the Gospel of Thomas. The Gospel of Thomas is not in the New Testament because some of the, shall we say, the doctrinal material that's presented in it is not in harmony with what the apostles taught. Where did the apostles get their teaching from? They got it direct from Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. All right, uh, Brenton, uh, let me just um, just come back to the initial point that you were that you were making. And uh, that uh, that passage in Second uh, Timothy chapter chapter three verse sixteen. Interesting all, one. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. Now, this gives amazing scope to the word of God. Now, just to pull this text apart just a mm-hmm. little bit, as I as I would actually understand it, yes. all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what Paul's actually saying here in talking to Timothy is that scripture, and in all probability at that time he's actually probably talking about what he would have called, we would call the old. Testament, uh, but all scripture so, yes. is given by inspiration of God. Now, as I understand it, uh, that that means that what Paul is saying is that God um, has given the the prophets, for example, visions and dreams. He's given them, if you like, word pictures, which they then have then taken and written down uh, in you know in the vernacular. Of the of, of the day. day. Now, now Brenton, this is actually so important because you know the books that I I pick up down at um uh Dimmicks. down at Dimex. <laughs> uh, where does it originate from? Well, it comes from the imagination of the individual. They turn mm-hmm. around, they sit down, they go away somewhere. Uh, they ask questions like, "Okay, how can I sell this book?" So therefore, I you know I put in some uh, some scenes of sexuality. I put some scenes of you know whatever I, I, things to entice people to read it. To, to read this particular book mm. but here I've got a book that actually turns around and uh, is actually prepared to say some incredibly radical things it says well firstly it reveals that uh, humanity you have a problem now one of the things I don't like being told Brenton um, is hey but I have a problem yeah. and I'm likely to not read it and yet here we've got a book that tells me where I come from Mm-hmm. The problem that I am facing, the solution to that problem, and then where we're going after this. Mm. I mean, mm. that's a remarkable scope uh, for any book to cover. It is. Uh, one of the things I'd say is this. Um, if someone – I have an um, Indigenous friend who rings me from time to time. Um, having done quite a lot of work with Indigenous people, uh, it's it's interesting. She rings me and says, oh, Pastor Brenton, I need to get closer to the Lord. What am I going to read? Well, the last time, Gary, that she rang me, I said, read the book of Mark. Mm-hmm. Why the book of Mark? Mm-hmm. Mark I call the all-action gospel mm-hmm. because frequently in the book of Mark you find the word immediately. <laughs> mm. In fact, if you went through and did a word study of the 16 chapters of Mark, it would be interesting to see how many times the word immediately mm. is mentioned there. Mm. In other words, if you want to know about Jesus, what Jesus did, what Jesus said, what Jesus performed in the way of miracles, read the book of Mark. Mm. So she rings me next morning and said, I've read the book of Mark. I said, what? 16 chapters? She said, oh, yes. I read it last night. 
started at chapter 1, read to chapter 16. Mm -hmm. I said, can I suggest that you go back and read it again? Mm -hmm. This time take a pen and paper, and when you're reading specific stories about specific people, put yourself in that particular situation. I think you've hit on something here that is actually so incredibly important, Brendan. Just just open that out just a little bit more. Is this is this something that you particularly find beneficial? Yes, I do. Uh, I find it beneficial uh, because the other day, for instance, I was reading a chapter from a book called The Desire of Ages called Peace Be Still. Mm. Mm. No, Night on the Lake it was called. And I was reading about a guy called Peter. I think all of our listeners who know anything about the Bible and even people who don't know a lot about the Bible know of Peter. Mm. Peter was one of those people whose mouth was in gear before his brain was engaged yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And in this particular instance, he's uh, walking on water. Mm. Never been done before apart from Jesus himself. So what I did is I read the the. The, the section in the Bible, which was actually in several of the Gospels, not only what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Synoptic means together, um, but That's also Matthew, in the book Mark of James, Matthew, Luke. Mark and Luke are the Synoptic Gospels, and then you've got the, uh, John. Now, the only one that actually mentions, believe it or not, Peter walking on water, all of them mention this storm. But only one of them mentions Peter walking on water, mm -hmm. and that's Matthew, mm -hmm. who would have been in the boat when Peter was walking on water. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I put myself in that situation. Instead of Peter walking on water, it's Brenton Wilkinson. Yeah. And I'm looking around, hey, guys, got your cameras out, selfie time. <laughs> Oops, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Help me, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you put yourself in those sorts of situations, I think by reading the Word of God and saying that's me, mm. Mm. I think yeah. I, I think you're hitting yeah. on something here that's actually incredibly important because it's when I'm applying the scriptures to myself yes. that something seems to change. Mm -hmm. In my life, I mean, I I know one of the things that I appreciate doing from time to time is actually rewriting portions of the scripture because it slows me down enough That's to good. be able to to be able to really think about what's being said. But Breton, look, I'm conscious that our time's starting to get away from us. Let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, this is Matt Menikus, uh and uh, the the song is "Give Me the Bible." This is such a, Very a wonderful uh, little little song. Please enjoy. Uh, give me the give me Bible. the Bible, star of gladness gleaming To cheer the wonder, lone and tempest-tossed No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day Give me the Bible when my heart is broken when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior dear 
Give me the Bible. What a powerful message there is in that particular uh, song. Now, uh, guys, we do have, please don't forget, we do have a giveaway offer today. And the giveaway offer is this little booklet entitled How to Study Your Bible, uh, an introduction by Peter Gregory. Uh, this is a, a real little ripper. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it covers so many uh, practical skills in how you can study the scriptures. Uh, it uses as a practical example Paul's a process in mentoring Timothy. Uh, you'll love this book. Now, look, folks, if you would like your own copy of uh, How to Study the Bible, uh, then please just text us here at our drive time text number 04888 80811. 04888 Eleven, and all you need to do is to give us our code, and our code for today is SA one hundred. No gap between the SA and the one hundred. Just SA one hundred. Otherwise, our friend the robot, he can't read it. He's a dumb robot. We can't afford one of those more expensive robots. Uh, SA one hundred, and uh, uh, that'll go through to our uh, to our robot, and uh, he'll come back to you, ask you a few questions, so that uh, we can get this book to you in the fastest possible uh, way. How to study your Bible by Peter Gregory. The code is SA100 and that number again is 04888 80811. You'll really appreciate uh, this uh, this particular uh, this particular book. 
Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson and Brenton has just moved into retirement after three years ministering to the Mount Gambier and the Millicent and uh, Narracourt and, and Rendlesham churches uh, down in the southeast of, uh, uh, of South Australia and this week we're asking how reasonable is a biblical worldview, and today we're just simply asking, how did we get the Bible? Now, Brenton, I've really appreciated uh, what it is uh, that you've been sharing mm. about the uh, Word of God being far more than just uh, something that's been uh, come out of somebody's mind. Really appreciate the fact too, that you've just shared about these uh, about the Bible being made up of many books written by many people over a, a long period of time. But look, there's one thing I do want to ask you. And it's really important. Now, it's this subject of the Old Testament because, frankly, today we're living in a world where even many churches, um, you know, I mean, there seems to be a certain depreciation of the Old Testament. Now, of course, the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible, um, but today it's not regarded very highly. Now, uh, firstly, do you think, I mean, do you think we've missed anything in overlooking? The Old Testament. Yes, I believe we have, and I can share two examples with you. John chapter five, thirty-nine and forty. Um, you might remember Jesus healed a man who had been born lame, who was by the pool of Bethesda. Because he did it on the Sabbath, he got himself in trouble with the religious authorities. They hurled, uh, hauled him before the Sanhedrin. And in uh, chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, he said to them something along these lines. You, that's them, search the scriptures, because in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me, yet you will not come to me to have life. Now, as Jesus was schooled in the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written, Gary, this is particularly interesting for those who may, as you say, depreciate the Old Testament and say we're living under the new era, not the old era. Isn't it interesting? He said that you search the scriptures, meaning the priests and rulers and the Sanhedrin, in order to have eternal life, but you won't come to me to have life. In other words, he was saying life was contained in his words, but life was contained in the Old Testament because the New these Testament are they, These are they which testify, testify of, of me. me. That's the one. <laughs> and then secondarily, we find in Luke chapter 24, he was on the way. Uh, there were two disciples at the day of the resurrection who were on their way to a town called Emmaus. We know the name of one. His name was Clopas or Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other disciple. Along the way, Jesus joined them, but uh, they were uh, prevented from recognizing him. And they were talking about all these things, and um, they they said to him, don't you know what's going on? Uh, this Jesus was crucified, and, uh, you know, uh, there were some of our people who said that he arose again the third day, and, um, you know, they were more or less saying, we don't believe it. But this is what he said to them on the way home. He said, then he said to them, O foolish ones, I'm reading from chapter 24, verse 25 of Luke. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Which prophets are we talking about? Hello, the Old Testament. The Old Testament. 
Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? Where do we find all this? In the book of Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, Mm. in other places in the Old Testament. And then enter his glory and beginning at Moses. And we know Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, commonly known as the Pentateuch. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let me ask a question. What were all the scriptures? All the scriptures were the Old Testament. This is remarkable because Christ is referring to what is the Bible. In other words, what Jesus would have gone to church with, of course, he couldn't have tucked it under his arms because it was contained in scrolls Scroll and those, and, those yep. and they were held in the uh, in the synagogue. But on the Sabbath day, uh, people would stand up to read uh, from the scrolls, which uh, we would call the Old Testament. The Old Testament is Jesus' Bible. And Jesus said in two places uh, here in the whole, um, uh, here at the end of uh, Luke's Gospel, that these are they those books in the Old Testament, that testify of me. Now, to me, what's actually occurring here is that if I depreciate the Old Testament, I'm actually depreciating some significant books that are actually telling me about Jesus Christ. Correct. And that, to me, is an incredible shame. I think it's a great loss. Do you know? realize the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblios, which means scrolls? Okay. Okay, that's that. That is actually significant. I that, think so. That is actually really, really significant. <clears throat> uh, look, Brenton, uh, we do need to actually bring this uh, uh, this whole thing uh, this whole thing together. Now, look, when you're studying when you're studying the the Word of God, mm-hmm. how do you personally find it to be most beneficial? I've alluded to it briefly a few minutes ago, Gary, but I will re-mention it. There is a book available, and I'm sure if you contact Faith FM, you will be able to get a copy of this book. It's available, I believe, Gary, in, um, shall we say, paperback form mm-hmm. at very cheap cost Yeah, uh, called The Desire of Ages. Yeah. Now, you can read the Bible. Uh, if I was talking to one of our listeners today and they said, Pastor Brenton, I'd like to read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. Mm. You might remember I alluded earlier on to maybe starting in the book of Mark. Mm. You need to understand it's no good starting in the book of Genesis in, in the beginning. Why not? Why not? One. Why not? Because the one who... Genesis chapter 1 is all about the creator, the one who created everything. Mm. The one who created everything is found in the book of Mark. Mm. That's Jesus Christ himself. But my method is to take this book, to open it to a chapter. Now, at the bottom of the chapter, it will say this chapter is based on Matthew chapter 15. This is the book Desire of Ages. Ages. Matthew chapter 15, verses 15 to verse 45. I'm only using this as an example. What I would then do is I don't read the chapter first. I read the Bible. The Scriptures. I read the Bible slowly, carefully, then I read the chapter, and as I said earlier on, and I put myself, insert myself into the story that I'm reading yeah. and saying, this yeah. is me. Yeah. And I believe that if you do that, you will, I, I can say it uh, confidently, you will have a much closer relationship yeah. with the yeah. Lord. And, of course, to me, Brenton, I think the objective of coming to 
coming to the Word of God is actually to uh, come closer to Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, that, that's the whole purpose. That's of it. that's the reason we're doing this because you know there there is something I would suggest transformative. Yes, about the Word of God, there is something that changes the way a person thinks. Yeah. There's something about the uh, that the Holy Spirit seems to uh, seems to function yes. uh, in the life of an individual when they are starting to uh, encapsulate uh, the Bible into their own experience. Yes, it's interesting. Um, John 17, there's a text there that you and I both know well, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the The only true true God, God. and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where do you find that? You find it in the Biblios, the Bible. The Bible. The scrolls. Yeah. That's where you find it. So if you want to know Jesus, you want to know not just about him, but if you want to know Jesus as a friend, as a saviour, it has to go beyond friendship. Yeah. It has to go. And you know, Brenton, I find this actually just <laughs> so absolutely vital mm. today because there are so many uh, pictures of Jesus out there that are not the biblical picture not of really, Jesus. Not really, no. And uh, the scriptures paint a wonderful, a wonderful picture of of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for being our Lord and our God. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray for any of our, for all of our, our listeners. Lord, I, I just pray that uh, uh, if any of them are struggling. Uh, right now with with your word Mm. that you might be with them. Uh, Lord, I pray that if there's any who are struggling with some health issue, I pray that you might bless them. Uh, Lord, I pray that if there is uh, issues of of relationship, uh, there might be relationship breakdown, Mm. I pray that you might move by your power. Uh, Lord, I just pray uh, that you might take us to the right portion of Scripture uh, so that uh, we might come to know Jesus Christ uh, in a more personal and intimate manner. Yes. Uh, Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us your word and for all it means to us. Just pray in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining with Pastor Gary and Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor David Butcher is going to be joining with me. And we ask, can the Bible be trusted? What does archaeology say? Now, this is an incredibly faith-affirming program. Uh, People don't realize uh, the power of archaeology in sharing uh, the, the validity of the Word of God. Really look forward to your being with us tomorrow. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.